Thanks, guys. Let me just get myself set up here. Cool. Uh, perfect. Thanks, Dom. So, yeah. For those of you who don't know me, I've been introduced. My name's Toby, and myself and my wife, Elle, have been coming to Claygate for about 12 years now. Uh, it's a privilege to be uh, here with you again to speak, and another privilege to kick off our new series, Made for Good. So before we start, I just want to kind of remind ourselves where we've been as, as the six. Last year, we looked at our Believe series, and we looked at the core beliefs of the Christian faith that have been held for thousands of years in the Apostles' Creed. And this has kind of help, helped us set the foundations of our faith, what we believe and hold to as a church. Now, in our Made for Good series over the next five Sundays, we're going to be looking at how God has made us in order to fulfill his purposes in the world. And whether that's we serve on the Sundays, as Maxine shared, or it's in our homes, our jobs, or our schools. We're going to look at things like our experiences, our personalities and our abilities, our heart's desires, and our spiritual gifts. But tonight, I want to set out the why and give us the context as to how these things fit within the bigger picture of who God is, his heart for us, and our part in his story. And it's this question of why that is something people throughout history have tried to find the answer to. Questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose? In essence, we are all trying to find out what is true. And alongside this desire is the fact that we live in a post-truth world. So much so that it was actually the word of the year in 2016. And it's defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. So put simply, that's saying people tend to look within themselves to their emotions and how they're feeling to find truth more than actually looking at what is objectively true. And this has led to certain phrases becoming more common in conversations. You might have heard things like, to each their own, or this is my truth. And to help kind of explain this a little bit more, I've got this cartoon for you. Um, on the left, you have the kind of classic philosophical quote, I think, therefore I am. And that's basically saying, you know, because I can think and I can question things, I know I just exist. It's a universal truth that is independent of how I feel. And on the right, we see the kind of prevailing uh, truth of post-truth logic. And it says, I believe, therefore I'm right. This requires nothing more than looking inward to how I feel, regardless of what is actually objectively true. And it's because of this, no wonder, as a society, we're confused as we are, because we've reduced truth down to how I feel in a moment. And because my feelings can change week by week, day by day, even, if you're me, hour by hour, the bar of what is true is constantly changing. And because of this, in using this worldview, there's no ultimate standard of truth. Each person, each society, each culture has its own truth. But as Christians, 
We have a unique claim. That's not found in any other worldview. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, where the world says there are many truths and they're all valid, Jesus actually dismantles this and he says the opposite. Jesus is truth incarnate. Jesus is truth made flesh. So unlike the post-truth world where we're called to look within, as Christians we are called to look up. So if we do away with God, we actually do away with truth. So going back to the question of why are we here and what's our purpose, we can take these words of Jesus and the rest of scripture as being completely true and with complete confidence know that we are made for God and for the good of the world. And it's these two points we're going to be looking at tonight. So in order for us to understand how we're made for good and for the good works, which we've already heard in the passage of Ephesians, we need to start with who we're made for. In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 14 reads, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, right from the very beginning, before the foundation of anything, God knew us. He created, as it says, our inmost being. He knows us better than we know ourselves, better than our our family or our friends do. And this intimacy is born out of his deep love for us and the fact that he is a relational God. And as we are created by this loving and relational God, we too are made for uh, relationships. We are made for worship. However, the problem is sin. Sin has come and it's distorted and it's twisted our hearts so that we end up worshipping the created instead of the creator. And as a result, we can think our purpose uh, in life is things like to make a name for ourselves, to have that relationship, that family, that house, that car, that education, that social media following. Now, if I'm honest, mine is found in the latest tech and gadgets, whether it's the latest game console, I'm a, I'm a proud nerd, uh, electric guitar or audiovisual tech. And my wife, Elle, is nodding heavily at the back, just confirming all of that, which is helpful. Now, these things, I want to say, are not bad in and of themselves. Everything we receive, as scripture says, are good gifts from God. But the problem is, is that we take those things and we put them in the place of where only God should be. And they become our sense of worth. They become our sense of security. And this is what the Bible calls idolatry. And our problem goes even deeper than this, in that Our experiences show that no matter what I try to fill my life with, however good they may be, it never quenches the thirst that my soul has. 
We keep filling our lives with more, wanting more. We live in a consumer society that just feeds that. And the reason why we want more is because we're actually made for more than that. And this is where the gospel comes in. This is why the gospel is such good news. You see, not only are we made by God, but he became one of us. He walked among us. In Jesus, he comes and lives the perfect life that we weren't able to. He dies the perfect death that we deserved, and he rose again. So that sin no longer has a claim on us, but instead we're claimed by God. And when we realize this, when we turn to him, not only do we receive forgiveness for the ways in which we filled our lives with everything except him, we end up finding our true purpose. As it says in 2 Corinthians, we are a new creation. We discover who we truly are, who God has made us to be. And as it says in the book of John, the truth will set you free. In Jesus, our souls are quenched. We are given our deepest longing. If you're here visiting or just exploring faith, we're we're so glad you're here. Jesus is saying to you now that I am the way and the truth and the life. And earlier in the same book, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus isn't just offering you one of many ways of living. He is offering you the way, the only way, the only way to God, the only way to forgiveness, and the only way to find our true purpose and joy. Isn't that worth having? For those of us walking with Jesus, what are those things that tend to creep their way into our lives again and again and take our eyes off of Jesus? Tonight, would we take those things and lay them at the foot of the cross and ask God to fill us with a fresh sense of his presence and to know who we are in him? So now that we know who we are made for, we can look at how we are made for the good of the world. In Ephesians, we've already had it read, but I'll read it again. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we've just heard that we're saved not through any effort of our own, but as a gift from God. We're saved not just from God's judgment, but we're saved for a purpose. We're saved not by our good works, but we're saved for good works. Now these works can come in all sorts of different ways and this is what we're going to be exploring in the following Sundays. But what I want to focus on now is the reason behind these good works and what they achieve. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 to 16 Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus is saying here that the good news that we've received is meant to be shared with others. It's not something we're meant to hold onto and that through our good works, people will see them and they'll glorify the Father. Now, many of you will be familiar with this film, Chariots of Fire, and for those of you of the younger generation, I realize it's not the latest Netflix release. Uh, it's an oldie, but it's a goodie. Uh, it tells the story of Olympic athlete and devout Christian Eric Liddell, who's on the right there, and in the 1920s, and he was the son of Scottish missionaries. There's a well-known line in the film that we're going to uh, see now that nicely sums up the connection of being made by God and using the gifts he's given us. I've decided I'm going back to China. The missionary service have accepted me. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so pleased. I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honour him. Jenny. So hopefully the audio quality wasn't too uh, bad there, but the quote there he says is, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold him in contempt. Eric here is reflecting the message of Matthew 5. He recognized the gifts that God had given him, and he wanted to use them for God's glory and point people around him to God. He didn't want to disregard God and hide the gifts that he'd been given. It's because that through our good works, the Spirit of God moves and he points people to Jesus. God uses our good works to bring about God's kingdom here and now. And through all of this, when we use the gifts that he's given us for the good of others, we feel his pleasure, as Eric says. Some of the strongest encounters I've had with God is not when I've been looking internally for an experience of him, but when I've looked to serve those around me. Now, some of you may be sitting here thinking, it's all well and good, Toby, you saying that we're made for good works, but my life has just been bad circumstance after bad circumstance. And I can't see where the good has come from or if it ever will come. And I want to say two things here. Firstly, I want to say that whether we see the good now or in this life, we have the promises of God. As it says in Romans chapter 8, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him 
who have been called according to his purpose. So no matter what it is we're going through, whether we see the good now or in years to come, God is and will be working for you. And secondly, don't let your circumstances dictate where God can bring good. I'll say that again. Don't let circumstances dictate where God can bring good. I remember not long after Ellen and I were married and I was actually working here at the church, uh, I, re- I received a call that really shook me to my core. I remember standing in the church office on the phone with my mum in tears telling me how my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. In that moment, I remember thousands of questions running through my head and not knowing what to say or to do or what to do. And I certainly wasn't able to see where the good was going to come from. And over the days and the weeks and the months that followed, I made the point of being as available as I could to my dad and to my family to support them. And one of those ways was taking my dad to and from his chemo and radiotherapy appointments. And I'll admit that wasn't easy, particularly when I saw the effects that it was having on him. But it was in those moments that the superficial talks that we used to have, talks about work and being British, talks about the weather, they just disappeared. Instead, it opened up the chance for me to pray with my dad and tell him the love of God and how this isn't it, this isn't the end, that there is more. It was an incredibly precious time And it's one where I felt God's presence in a way that I haven't felt before. And it came through seeking to serve for the good of others. Now thankfully my dad, uh, God brought my dad through his cancer and he is doing well. But I don't know what those times he and I shared had on him on the inside, on his heart. That's something that I have to trust God with. But what I am thankful for is the way that God did move and what he did bring about. The fact that I could openly pray with him and share about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And not only that, but both my mum and dad went on to do Alpha. So don't let your circumstances dictate where God can bring good because it's precisely in those dark times God uses us to be a light. And remember, the greatest good in the world, our reconciliation, us being brought back to God, came from the darkest event in history, the torture and crucifixion of our Saviour, Jesus. Now for others, we may have had words spoken over us that have made us feel worthless and unimportant. Now, just as Jesus wants to dismantle the lies of our post-truth world, he also wants to dismantle the distorted views we have of ourselves. We've already seen in Psalm 139, God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are made in his image and you have been gifted by him with skills and ability that will help bring God's kingdom here and now. 
And finally, we can take courage in who we are and what we're made for because all of this, everything, is in the hands of a God who has already prepared it in advance for us to do. It is promised. It is sealed. So the question is, will we step into this? Will we own who we are in Jesus and the good works that he has prepared for us? Please, would we not shy away from the good works that God has for us, whether it's out of laziness, apathy, or fear. Instead, let us do them so that we may feel his pleasure, that we may give God the glory, and that we may be his light for the good of the world. So as I finish, I just want to share these points for us to kind of go away with. That God is truth and he made you. Our purpose and our fulfillment is found in him. And he made us for good. Amen.